Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life. My ethos is sustainability and my aim is to leave you better than I found you. I am a complete foodie, lover of all animals, recovering perfectionist, with a passion to help many achieve a life of health and well-being. I hope you take a lot from this podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. You're joined by me, your host, Rebecca, and of course, as always, my wonderful sidekick, Edith. Now today, this is an extract from the live Q&A. I apologise in advance, as I'm sure you can already tell, I am suffering with a little bit of a cold and Edith did make her presence known. But that still, I hope you take a lot from it and really enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Good morning, everyone. I usually say happy Friday, but today you've got me a little bit earlier. You're welcome. I am off to Manchester this weekend to level up to a massive um, seminar that I am so excited about. There's doctors doing some talks. There are some incredible coaches doing some talks. I'm going to be coming back with so much more knowledge. So I'm doing your live a little bit earlier this week with your questions, which let me tell you, they're getting better and better every week. I'm here for it. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your well wishes. I'm still feeling like ass. (laughs) I am still feeling like ass. But we're here for it. We're here for it. So let's get cracking. Um, First question. Should I be setting the same intentions every week? And I did drop a message about this, didn't I, in the group um, earlier on in the week. And realistically... wherever you are in your journey whatever your goal is whether your goal is muscle building whether your goal is fat loss whether your goal is maintaining um behaviors with nutrition and maintaining your weight whether that is weight gain whatever your goal and wherever you are in your journey the basics matter and the basics matter the most and this client in particular was saying, well, I set the same intentions every week. And like, I say the same things every week in terms of actions. Like, it's the actions that are going to be different to the intentions. And the actions are what include your commitments. They are what include your time constraints. They are what help you navigate taking action towards your intention and making promises to yourself so that when the week comes and when these days are happening, you're still able to show up to yourself with the expectations that you have set based on the intentions that work within your life. So on the surface, it could be like, I'm going to eat protein with every meal. I'm going to go to the gym three times this week and I'm going to go for a walk. Right. Well, how are you going to make sure this week you are going to have protein with every meal? does your environment dictate that or are you saying to yourself well I know that that's what I need to do and I'm just telling Rebecca that that's what she needs to hear 
How are you going to curate that environment to make sure that you have got the capacity to have protein within every meal? Right. Well, I planned my meals for this week. I'm going shopping on Friday and I know what I'm having for my breakfast and my lunch. I'm having a bit more fluidity with my evening meal, but I know the source of protein that I'm having. Right. Great. So your environment dictates that your action is going to align with that intention. You're promising that to yourself. You're more likely to be successful. Great. Going to the gym three times this week. When? How does that fit around childcare? How does that fit around school holidays? How does that fit around work commitments? Right, I've made time to go to the gym on Tuesday evening, um, Wednesday afternoon, Saturday morning. I've got that within my diary. Brilliant. Okay, I'm going to go for a walk. When? I'm setting my alarm to go for a walk at 10 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. Um, might not be able to get out on Wednesday because I'm taking uh, my children to football club. Okay, great. You're managing your commitments with the intention and taking action where you can with those realistic expectations. Whereas if you're saying, oh, well, I'm just going to eat the protein, I'm just going to go to the gym and I'm just going to go for what you get to the end of the week. You've not ate protein, you've not been to the gym and you've had some days where you didn't go for a walk because you didn't have the you weren't methodical about that promise. You were just like, man, yeah, well, that's what I know I need to do. Shockingly, we all really know what we need to be doing but unfortunately not all of us take the action now that's what I mentioned about this morning that that is still a choice isn't it like not taking action is still a choice so then it's digging a little bit deeper below the surface well why aren't I taking action now why have I not why have I broken this promise to myself about um not eating protein every day well actually I navigated commitments because I went out with my friends spontaneously so I was flexible with my my mindset and I adapted to that situation brilliant or well I just couldn't be bothered and I couldn't be bothered because my environment was still full of um easter eggs as an example and I haven't been to the shop this week so I've just gone for convenience foods every day I've just nipped to Tesco and got a meal deal Okay, so you set an intention, but then you didn't action it. And then when you don't action it, you you sit in a place of, you remain where you are. And sometimes actioning it is harder in the moment. But I argue remaining where you are, if you want to change, is actually more damaging. It's more damaging to your confidence. It's more damaging to your self-esteem. And actually it prevents you achieving the things that you want to achieve. And if everything in life was as easy as people believe, we would all have everything we want. And you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. And it's making sure that you're taking action based on your intentions, on your goals, and not just saying what you think you need to say or saying what you think um, you should be doing. Instead, asking like, OK, well, <laughs> based on last week, um, perhaps eight above my calories, a few days. And this week, I want to be a little bit more methodical about my goal. Right. OK, well, I've done that by looking at my meals this week and I've replaced my starchy carbohydrates and doubled up my veggies to allow me to have more food volume, more fiber, um, slowing down my digestion, which is then going to help me remain in my calorie target over the week. Right. Great. But on the surface, again, it is just planning your meals, isn't it? And we have to be taking action and success. People aren't just born with success. You just don't see the action that they're taking behind the surface. 
you don't see what they're doing each and every day. And I, <clears throat> I tell you this week on week that I still plan my meals weekly. I still put it in my diary to go for a walk. I still put it in my diary to train. I still put it in my diary to have my lunch. And having, making those promises to yourself, because not only is it about your goal, <clears throat> not only is it about, say, fat loss as an example, but I've mentioned this in a lot of check-ins this week that your health is not just about what you eat and how much you move. Your health is so multidimensional and it encompasses so much of your life. Stress management, emotional awareness, self-awareness, social connection, spirituality in terms of mindfulness, of course, nutrition and exercise, but how you feel in yourself directly impacts your nutrition and your exercise behaviors and directly impacts how you show up. All of it together has you live the healthiest and happiest version of yourself. And that sounds corny to a lot of people, but actually, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not doing the things that you want to do in line with your health, to make sure that you've got strong stress management, to make sure that you're emotionally aware, to make sure that you're building on self-awareness with the mindfulness and that you're fueling your body in a way that makes you feel good both mentally and physically and you're moving your body because that's optimal for your mental health and your physical health, irrespective of your goal of fat loss then you're not going to show up to your work. You're not going to show up to your relationship. It's going to have impacts on all of your life. And this is what a lot of clients say when they, when they come through coaching, that actually this is doing more than just benefiting their, their goal, like job promotions, like new relationships, like new social connection. It's There's so much that comes as a byproduct of taking care of your, your health in terms of that multidimensional product puzzle. So, yeah, on the surface, it is the same sort of intentions, but making sure that you are being very methodical with how you're going to action that and not just brushing over that action part, because the action part is you making a promise to yourself, knowing what you've got coming up. But then actually in the week, if things do crop up, you've got realistic expectations and you've got your intentions, but then you build on this awareness of how you can be flexible with that and adapt to the situation um okay next question there is a clear separation between my week habits and my week eating and my weekend how to navigate this this is a big one um a big one that I've seen for people who have come through dieting with over restricted approaches and I fell into this trap for many many years um The biggest challenge that people have over the weekend that I see is a change in structure and a change in routine. So like, um, and we humans thrive. Let me tell you, we thrive on structure and we thrive on a routine. We do. We love it. At the weekend, it's all a little bit, it's all a little bit, should we say off whack for people because they're not, they haven't got like work commitments eight or five or nine to five, whatever. And maybe they're getting up a little bit later and maybe it's a little bit more slow paced, but sometimes it's a little bit more fast paced. Um, so one of the biggest things that people struggle with is that lack of routine. So a big thing that I recommend to many people, to everyone, in fact, is follow one of your weekday habits over to the weekend and follow, your, follow one of your weekend habits over to the week right 
And the basic one that everyone should follow from week weekday to weekend is eating patterns. Okay, so in the week, you eat three meals a day. You snack maybe once, twice, right? You get to the weekend and instead of your normal breakfast being at eight o'clock, it's now at 11. And then you're leaving this massive eating window until like 8 p.m. And then you're finding you're overeating. However, if we were to say to ourselves, well, I eat three meals a day in the week. I'm going to eat three meals a day at the weekend and a snack. That's a habit. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because our hunger hormones, namely ghrelin, right? Remember ghrelin produced in our stomach? Ghrelin and leptin work alongside one another. Leptin communicates back to the brain. Psychologically full. Cravings, blood-brain barrier. Remember all of this coming together. They remember the times we eat. So if we're eating every day at eight o'clock and then we're not eating till 11 o'clock on Saturday, you're going to have this huge level of um, satiety and this really low level of fullness. So remember, when we wake up in the morning, we're in a fasted state. Ghrelin is high, leptin is low. You're meeting satiety by fueling optimally with your first meal of the day. You're satiated, you're full. Leptin's communicating back to the brain saying, yeah, feeling, feeling great here, this is fine. Swimming on through the day without food preoccupation, without food focus, having your lunch when satiety is a little bit higher because you've gone from being in that fasted, from being in that fed state to in that fasted state. So then you meet it again with your lunch. Leptin, brr, brr, brr. again, we're singing through the day, right? However, at the weekend, so when you wake up in the morning, satiety is really high, leptin is really low. Then you're like, oh, well, I'm going to have a late, a late breakfast today. I'm going to have a, I'm not going to, I'm maybe going to pot around the house, I'm going to do some cleaning. I'm going to uh, maybe go for a walk. And you haven't fueled. Satiety then goes to being really, really high again. And because you're busy, you're perhaps not aware of it. But then your leptin response is really low, communicating back to the brain. Remember, blood brain barrier, the only macronutrient that can get through the blood brain barrier is the carbohydrate. And then cravings start increasing. But you eat your breakfast, right? But because satiety is so high, you're not meeting it. So then you've still got this elevated response. So you're like, I'm not really full here. A little bit now, food preoccupied. Right, okay, I'll try and brush this away. I'll try and brush this away. And you get to the end of the day. And because you haven't met that satiety first thing in the morning, because you haven't met it with regular eating patterns, you've got this wild amount of hunger now. And you find yourself maybe subconsciously snacking or with a lot of cravings, like questioning, oh my God, why am I craving all the food? But actually then what happens is you overeat the food. Over a period of time, this becomes habitual. And this is now habitual that you fear you're going to overeat at night. So then you do push your breakfast back a little bit more. So one of the things everybody should be doing is making sure that we're eating at the same sort of times. And I say within about an hour. So if your breakfast is at eight, you've got like within an hour to be eating that, right? And it doesn't have to be like your same breakfast. Even if you did want, say, a brunch, just get some protein in first thing in the morning, get like a protein shake in and piece of fruit and then have your brunch. It doesn't have to be this huge breakfast that overcomes, that um, overwhelms you. But if you are noticing that your, your eating habits over the weekend are wildly different to that of the week, that would be the first thing that I would always recommend. And it tends to be the one that does drop over the weekend. And it tends to be the one that drops off because people 
have over a period of time restricted their intake massively in the week that over the weekend food becomes the only thing that brings joy and satisfaction so then they're like I'm just gonna eat whatever I want today so alongside that making sure that in the week you're not overly restricting now restriction doesn't just look like calories restriction can look like food groups it can look like certain foods it can look like um like only eating certain foods on certain days right um not eating chocolate but only eating chocolate at the weekend because it's the weekend the intention behind the action is that restrictive and remember when we get to the end of the week we're all more exhausted right we've got that drop in our energy struggle to make decisions which is why planning your full week is quite important <laughs> um so then you've got this huge amount of cravings from um, different eating patterns. And then because you've restricted with your intention and um, with um, food restriction in the week. And of course, we're exposed to these foods in greater abundance than ever before. Then you've got this huge desire for them. Cravings are dictated by our environment. Our environment has this food everywhere. You'll nip to a petrol station, you'll see like a Twix extra. I'll, I'll get one of them. Oh, and it's two for whatever. Oh, I'll get two then I'll eat them. Oh, why have I just done that? So if you're not eating, like if you're eating only chocolate at the weekend or only eating certain food at the weekend that you're not eating in the week, like only eating a pizza on a Saturday, try having a pizza on a Wednesday. So that's where we have the habit from the weekend over to the week. Like food rules and only eating certain food on certain days is restrictive. The intention behind that is restrictive. That is a red flag. Because it's like you seek permission from the day to eat that food, but actually your body doesn't work on a 24 hour clock as well. Your body doesn't know what day of the week it is. That's the thought process that you have. That's the belief that you have that you can't eat a food on a day. And it comes from that over restrictive approach in the week, like that yo-yo mentality, where it's like Monday, start again, really restrict, end of the week. Why am I craving all this food? Study it, I'm going off track, getting back on track on Monday. But actually, Firstly, you're not trained and you're not falling off track. And I've had this with quite a few clients this week, actually, when we talk about uh, talking about Easter, um, in particular, one client who was saying I had an Easter egg and actually I really enjoyed the Easter egg, fully immersed myself in the Easter egg. Um, but I did feel bad. I felt guilty for eating it. And I tried journaling and I couldn't work out why. I felt bad. I couldn't work out why I felt guilty because actually on reflection, I really enjoyed it. Now, we can sometimes dig a little bit too deep. She was looking for like an emotional response. Like, well, I'm, I'm not emotional. I'm like enjoying this with my children. It's great. Um, and she felt like she'd gone back to square one because she'd ate the chocolate and did overeat, but not all overeating is bad. Like she overate with complete awareness, um, with mindfulness. And she, she thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, great. And the guilt came with the assumption that this food was bad. And the eating chocolate made her a failure. And that came from a limiting belief that she'd had from following many, many years of dietary restriction and overly restricted approaches, which removed food groups, which isolated um, certain foods from her diet. So the minute she was exposed to these, even though she was fully immersed and fully mindful and fully present with it, she still had this deep ingrained belief that she was eating something that was bad through that food label. So you don't get that place of food neutrality where you are completely immersed in it, like wholeheartedly immersed in it. But now that's presented an opportunity for her to learn, to unpick that actually, where does that come from? 
is that fact or fiction? Like that's complete fiction. There is no food that is good or bad. But now she can recognize that and she can understand that and learn from that and grow from that. And that's where like only eating certain food on certain days because you perhaps believe that that's bad. Pizza being a prime example. A lot of people um, struggle to eat pizza in the week because they feel pizza is bad and pizza causes weight gain. Pizza doesn't cause weight gain. No food individually causes weight gain. However, weight gain does come as a byproduct of behaviours. Now, if we're spending all week overly restricting, all weekend overly consuming, over a period of time, you'll be probably sitting at around maintenance and then you won't get the results you want. So instead of saying, oh, I just need to avoid food, I just need to restrict the food, it's unpicking where that restriction came from. Why do you believe that? And then again, it's like choosing to stay there is still a choice, isn't it? That's still an action. Or you can choose to be really brave, break down this barrier and be so courageous with your actions. and say, right, okay, this week, my intentions, I'm going to commit to having one of my weekend foods in the week and I'm going to sit with it. And this is the most important part. Reflect on it. I'm going to sit with it nice, mindfully. I'm going to slow my pace of eating down. I'm going to make sure that I have no distraction. I'm going to take my time with this and then I'm going to reflect on it afterwards. How did I feel? Um, did I thoroughly enjoy that? What can I do tomorrow to nourish myself, get up and continue with life? And that way you start to build trust in yourself because you give yourself the evidence more frequently of how you can enjoy these foods more fluently within your life on each and every day. And that actually then builds on that food neutrality. And a lot of the time people struggle with say like social events, I'll only go out socially at the weekend. Now for a lot of people that it's because they've got more time, right? But then with that, again, it becomes habitual. So they say no to spontaneous events in the week. So if you're asked to go out spontaneously in the week and you're saying no because you fear that that will cause weight gain and you can only go out the weekend, again, it's the same principle. I'm picking that, understanding where that came from. Instead of that instant reaction, no, just a, a slight deep breath. Okay, where's that coming from? Okay, right, that's coming from years of dietary restriction. And until you can begin reflection and until you can unpick it, you'll be forever sat on the surface. And for a lot of you, it's many, many, many years of layers and layers and layers of different dietary approaches, different dietary restriction. And Joe, the phenomenal podcast that she did that you've all um, hopefully listened to and heard so much about her story, started dieting from the age of 10, like 33 years. So if you were to just say, oh yeah, well, okay, I'm just only going to go out the weekend. That's likely a belief that she's held, as an example, like I'm not saying that this is Joe at all, but a likely belief that she's held that going out makes um, causes weight gain. But on the surface, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just not going to I'm, I'm just going to go out the weekend. But maybe someone has to go on a date in the week and you say no. So then you isolate yourself from social connection. And when you isolate yourself from social connection and if that wasn't the decision that was actually true to you, that was just a reaction based on this limiting belief, then what happens? Your behavior spiral. So it's making sure that, so one, I've gone off on a massive tangent now. <laughs> um, so habit from the week to the weekend, 
habit from the weekend through to the week. And another thing, like if you go for a walk every day in the week, go for a walk at the weekend. Um, if you go out socially at the weekend, yet yeah, try going out in the week as well. It could just be for a coffee. It could just be going for a drink of an evening with your friends. Um, if you journal in the week, journal at the weekend um, and try and maintain the same sort of bedtime pattern as well. Bedtime sleep um, routine. A lot of people um, overlook that, but it's really, really important as well. This this one, I love this one. Um, she's not got back to me, but I think I understand it. Um, how important is nutrition with how you look? And I think she means, I think she means if you're in a smaller phenotype, as opposed to a larger phenotype, is your nutrition important? Right, this is what I think she means. So I think she means like, a lot of the time, right, society judge people on how they look and they assume their health based on their body shape, right? So if you're in a smaller phenotype, you're assuming that that person is healthy. If they're in a larger phenotype, you're assuming that person is unhealthy. In terms of nutrition, the nutrition recommendations are not different at all. Like the vast majority of people, unless clinically diagnosed with, um, unless they've got like chronic disease, they will follow the same sort of pattern. Mediterranean style diet, 30 grams dietary fiber, baseline 100 grams of protein for women, uh, 200 grams of protein for men. Things like type one diabetes, things like menopause, um, PCOS, um, these will require slightly different, but that's on a subjective level. But broadly speaking, that's what we should all be aiming for, right? However, I think she means health with how you look. Now, No, no, it's not. Because you could be in a quote unquote lean phenotype, but be more unhealthy than somebody who is in a larger phenotype. Your nutrition behaviors in a lean phenotype could make you unhealthy as opposed to somebody in a large phenotype who is working on their healthful behaviors. And actually now, as I mentioned in a live a couple of weeks ago, there are people in lean phenotypes actually from the age of 30 upwards being diagnosed with chronic illness. And that's coming from chronic stress. And I mentioned this before, like millennials, um, Gen X, we seem to be going around in this constant stress state this constant like hyper aroused state, not sat in our window of tolerance for enough time. And over a period of time now, this is causing things like insulin resistance. So like lean type two diabetes. So type two diabetes is now being shown that it's not actually directly representative of fat uh, fat cells. It's actually to do with like the internal processes that are occurring or not occurring, should we say, as a byproduct of lifestyles, as a byproduct of the foods that we're eating. Like you could be in a smaller phenotype, as an example, and follow a diet that's high in saturated fat. Um, you could be 
not moving enough but your metabolism could just be an anomaly so you're processing this food and you're maintaining your weight there or thereabouts you could also be in a larger phenotype and be following a mediterranean style diet you could be eating enough protein and you could be going out and getting above 10,000 steps a day and getting to the gym two three times a week and you could actually have better cardiovascular health better fitness than than that of somebody who's in a lean phenotype and too often we do judge too often we do assume take me as an example i was in quote unquote a healthy phenotype a healthy bmi to the eye however I had hypothalamic amenorrhea, so I had no menstrual cycle. I had no stress management. I restricted food groups. I was hyper-focused on my weight, my shape, and my body. I exercised purely for my body. And I overly restricted my intake as a way of trying to control my, my weight, shape, and size because I thought that that was where I would get validation however to look at me I was healthy in my shape now I'm around about eight kilos heavier than that now and I'm still in quote unquote (coughs) a healthy lean phenotype and I know I sit here from a place of privilege but I would I would say on my journey, we're coming from 22 stone to that very small person. There would have been so many more times when I was in a larger phenotype that I was healthier than I was at my smallest. So many more times. And I've had this conversation with a lot of clients. And we do have this judgment, don't we? And I completely resonate with that. Like, we perceive that people are judging us based on our weight. People are judging us on our food choices and we're drawing uh, we're drawing correlation to like our size um, and we're then sat there with, like, oh my God, they're judging me if I'm going to order a burger. I remember that so, so vividly, like, oh God, they're judging me now because I want a burger and like they're going to think I'm unhealthy if I'm having a burger. But actually... Being able to make a decision for you with self-awareness is really important. And sometimes, like, we take the very we take the very honest approach, don't we? And we're saying, right, I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to park that thought now, and I'm going to deal with that later. Or we can be like, okay, I'm be very mature here and, and set a boundary. And if somebody does comment, we're like, okay, thank you for your comment, but I, I don't appreciate you, you talking to me about food. But a lot of the time it is a perception of our thoughts and it's a perception of our thoughts. I allude to being some, some amount of internalized misogyny because at some point along, along everyone's journey, along everyone's life, they will have thought something about somebody else um, in terms of like their body shape because that's the society that we live in, right? But I would always, always question like if it is just a thought and there's that dr seuss quote isn't there like those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind and i don't like to say people don't care because unfortunately people do care and and people do care sometimes too much with quite an open voice that is again a lot of misogyny so that's where you strike the balance between like do you set a boundary 
or do you try and ignore this? And when you try and ignore this, how do you deal with that later on? Do you deal with that with a bit of reflection where you recognize that you were aware of that situation, you were aware of that trigger and you deal with that in terms of like a journal, maybe some meditation, maybe some talking therapy, or do you set the boundary? And sometimes we need to set boundaries with people who are the closest to us and they are the hardest to set boundaries with. But over a period of time, you'll become more resilient with that as well. And that is challenging in itself to set a boundary. And I completely, again, appreciate that. So nutrition is important throughout your life. It becomes more important as you age. It becomes more important because of like anabolic resistance as we age, um, especially as females. And we know we go through the menopause. We see that reduction in estrogen. So things like protein becomes even more important. Things like micronutrients become even more important. Um, so eating enough fiber is so, so important. Reducing saturated fat for everybody is very important because we know that that's now a direct um, player in terms of chronic illness like type 2 diabetes so making sure females eat below 20 grams per day males below 30 grams making sure we're getting enough of that fruit and vegetables in as well very very important but then of course striking the balance with flexibility and with inclusion and I've said this on quite a few check-ins as well this week that it is harder now than ever to eat a healthy diet and it's harder now than ever for fat loss like if, if you were in the 1970s, it would be so much easier, right? Our environment is becoming more convenient. It's now easier to order your dinner and wait for it to be delivered than it is to cook it. It's now easier to order a coffee and sit at your desk while it's being delivered instead of getting up and going to the kettle and putting it on. <laughs> so your nutrition becomes really, really important. And I think one of the biggest things is to know your own goal know why you're doing it and how that impacts all of your life and knowing as well that your nutrition is not just your nutrition is not just like your goal and this is again where many people were let down by different approaches in that they focus solely on their food as a way to lose weight and they believe that it was about like calories but actually it's your behaviors associated with eating which is again where we can just just link back to the weekday to the weekend like that's the behavior associated with eating isn't it like only eating um like three meals a day in the week but then like wildly skipping meals at the weekend that's not the food that's not to do with calories that's to do with the behavior so your behaviors associated with nutrition will see you through for the rest of your life and they won't really change because what you're doing now in terms of getting enough fruit and vegetables, getting enough protein in, getting enough dietary fiber, reducing saturated fat um, and including food that you do enjoy that makes you feel good both mentally and physically. Like that's something you need to do for the rest of your life. And that's something that will help you show up to all of your values, irrespective of your goal. And I say this, like your, your values are how you show up in each and every day. And even if you don't value your health, you'll value something that encompasses your health. Say you value connection where you can't connect to yourself. You can't connect to others. You can't, um, you haven't got that social connection if you're preoccupied by food, if you're not self-aware, if you're not emotionally aware, because then you'll be driven by what we know is like your chimp. If you've ever read the chimp paradox, if you value, say like growth and maybe business growth, but you're not 
looking after your health in terms of like fueling your body so you've got enough um enough energy to make good decisions so you're not noticing this like energy drop off you're not moving your body enough so that you've got an amount of like cognition to be able to make decisions that you're um not sat there like feeling slumped and feeling um it's like really sluggish then you're not going to you're not going to show up to that in the best way are you like exercise and well-balanced nutrition supports mental and physical health so much so that you can do the things that you value if you value adventure you're looking after yourself you're not going to want to go on an adventure so it's so much isn't it and the behaviors associated with nutrition come about from your mindset they come about from your awareness and your intentions so nutrition is always important how you look is based on a perception it's based on a perception fueled from society mainly around like self-objectification as well but how you look is not a direct representation of your health and we know that more so now than ever before that actually how you look it doesn't give about any picture it doesn't tell you anything all it literally tells you is you look like this (laughs) like it's not telling me, it's not telling anybody your eating patterns, your eating behaviors, um, like your intention behind your action, how aware you are. Um, it's not telling us anything. So just making sure that actually, if you are judging people, where's that coming from? It could be some like internalized weight bias as well. And I know, like, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like I've, had that internalized misogyny but now I catch myself like okay yeah and also look at it that everybody's doing the best they can with what they have and some people just haven't got the knowledge to support them but if you are in a large phenotype as well and you're feeling that judgment and it's perhaps not being that's not perhaps being portrayed by the other person going below the surface and asking why you feel that judgment is that coming from internalized weight bias is that coming from diet culture and remember diet culture is this messaging that tells us to be smaller it's a message that tells us that leaner is better so if it is your internalized weight bias and it is coming from a perception of your thoughts then digging below that as well and unpicking that and actually being aware of what you're doing in terms of your journey on the steps that you are taking, because that again will give you that frequent success and that frequent evidence, sorry, of the success that you are achieving every single day. Yeah. Um, final one. Final one. Do I need to track calories to lose weight? No. No. You don't need to track calories to lose weight. But, 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 but calories still count. Now, a lot of people can dismiss tracking calories. And myself and this client have had a lot of back and forth about it anyway. And she's, um, we've gone a bit below the, below the surface, but I did want to bring this up again. Um, so now we've come to a, a conclusion with her in particular. Um, but a lot of people dismiss counting calories straight away. They're like, um, oh, just don't want to track calories because calories make me overeat and it's not the calories at all that make you overeat it's the perception of perfection that's making you overeat so if you can't perfectly hit your calories sorry about that if you can't perfectly hit your calories and you go above your calories then you go and press the big fuck it button and then you're like oh my god well i've screwed it here so what's the point 
that's not tracking calories that's leading to overeating. That's the thought process with your mindset around perfection and hitting your calories. Tracking calories is a tool. It's not something that everybody needs to do, but it's something that does help people. And like I mentioned earlier, it's harder now than ever to eat in a calorie deficit. And I ha- like for me, long term, clients come away from tracking calories if they want to. Some people just love it for the rest of their life. That's great. But you don't want to be preoccupied by food and you don't want to be food focused for the rest of your life. And tracking calories for, for many people, first, it can help with energy balance. It can help you recognize like your choices, but there are different ways to track calories. So you can just track what you're eating and build some awareness. You can track like two meals a day and allow some fluidity for your evening meal. You track one meal a day um, and allow some flexibility. You don't have to track at all. But if you have a goal, you've got to make sure that you're accountable to that goal. And if you don't track your calories, it probably will make fat loss a little bit slower. It will. But if you don't track your calories, then... And I actually did a post today about um, another client who's lost, she's actually lost nearly 14 kilos now without tracking calories. But we haven't focused on tracking calories. We haven't focused on fat loss. We focused on her behaviors. Because again, as I mentioned at the beginning, your nutrition and your exercise becomes a byproduct of how you show up. If you're focusing solely on food, you'll be preoccupied by food. If you're focusing on your behaviors associated with nutrition, eating three meals a day, snacking on mainly just fruit, doing that over the course of the week, switching out starchy carbohydrates and doubling up your vegetables, making sure you've got protein on every meal. Like these are the things that we need to be doing and they should be, they're the things that we should be doing to elicit fat loss. So you've got to put more conscious effort into that then. But if your mindset is around perfection and then you're just going to press this red fuck it button every time you go above your calories, that will still be there even if you take away calorie tra- uh, tracking calories. So you've got to go below the surface to understand why you feel that you've got to be perfect to get your results. And perfection holds you back. It feeds the guilt and shame. It corrodes the very part of us that is capable of change. But you don't need to track calories, but you do need to be accountable. Because if we were just left to our own devices without emotional awareness, without self-awareness, without um, intentions and without like methodical action, then our nutrition choices would become a byproduct of all of those, like how we feel. And if you've ever suffered with things like emotional eating and you haven't got emotional awareness and you're, you haven't got the self-awareness to understand like what your body is asking for in that moment, then you will likely go to the food. And then what will happen is you'll spiral with restrictive intentions the following day because you feel like you've done something wrong. So again, that's a behavior, isn't it? That's a behavior and a mindset change. So to come away from tracking, it requires a lot of mindset work, which you're all doing. But to just go rogue with tracking is likely due to perfection. You start to slowly come away from it, but it comes from a place of compassion. And remember, fierce compassion, softer compassion. And it comes from intentions that are driven through your self-awareness, through emotional awareness. And it's not just about the food. 
So it's behaviors. So making sure you're eating three meals a day, making sure protein with every meal, switching out, starting carbohydrates, doubling up vegetables. So as an example, if you usually have um, two eggs, a slice of and two eggs and two slices of toast, have one slice of toast, three eggs, pack it with vegetables. If you usually have um, chicken, rice and potato, chicken, rice and vegetables, have chicken, massive stir fry and veggies. So you're reducing the rice. Like energy balance is as simple as calories in versus calories out, but understanding why you eat the way you eat. And if it's getting to the weekend and you're like, man, I'm not tracking calories now. That's not the tracking of the calories. That's your mindset towards the weekend towards perfection so it's understanding a little bit more and going again below the surface and you it's sometimes like oh I'm, I'm just not tracking calories today like, I've just decided not to do that today okay why well actually over Easter I overate and um now I feel guilty now I feel like I failed and every time I go out socially I can't track it so I feel like I'm doing something bad Right, okay, well, that's nothing to do with tracking calories. That's to do with your thought process. That's to do with you striving for perfection. And the minute it goes a little bit above, then you feel like you failed. So that is not about removing calorie counting. That's about working on your perfection. That's about working on your mindset. And secondly, we don't ever track calories that we go out socially for anyway. So we look at what we can do around that. So as an example, on a day that you're social and you do track your calories, just as a bit of a side tangent, you'd be like, okay, so how can I compromise here instead of sacrificing? I'm going to compromise by saying I'll have a lighter breakfast and maybe I'll have some um, a big bowl of yogurt with some berries on it um, and a little bit of granola. Great. And then for lunch, I'm going to have a nice big stir fry again with a protein sauce on it. So whether that's chicken, prawns, um, turkey, halloumi, um, tofu whatever and then before I go out and have a little bit of protein to help regulate my hunger like you just track what you've ate and then you save yourself some calories to go out socially because if you try and track calories as well when you go out socially you find yourself in a rabbit hole of food preoccupation not only that it's wildly inaccurate like tracking calories is so inaccurate anyway it's around about 20 percent inaccurate so if you're putting 1700 calories in my fitness pal it's probably about 20 percent more or 20 percent less than that and allowing yourself to sit in an evening meal and say, do you know what? I've compromised today. I've done the best I can. And now I'm going to sit here. And if I'm in a fat loss phase, what else can I do to support that goal? Right. Okay. If I'm going out for pizza, it's, and I really want pizza because the pizza menu looks amazing. Right. I'm going to order a pizza, but tonight I'm going to pass on the wine because I'm here for the pizza, not here for the wine. Alternatively, if I'm going out to an Italian, I don't really fancy a pizza, but the salad looks great, and I and, and I want a glass of wine because I love Italian wine. Then we have wine and a salad, so you're compromising, right? And that doesn't come from tracking calories; that comes from working on your mindset, which is where again, like this illusion that calories, reps, and steps brings about success is not mindset, intention, awareness. They are what bring about lasting change. And if you're just focusing on tracking calories for the rest of your life, you will find yourself down a rabbit hole of lack of satisfaction and actually a lack of lasting resource because you'll get fed up with it. But it's just a tool to use at the time being if you want to use it. But if you don't want to use it, that's also absolutely fine. And I coach clients 
many of you that don't track calories, many of you. And and I do actually believe that some coaches who say you must go and track calories, it's just lazy way of, lazy way of um, coaching. Like you don't have to track calories at all, but we do have to work on behaviors. So it does require a lot more conscious effort. And like and you guys will know who sat there, sit there listening to me who are aren't tracking calories and are absolutely thriving with it. Like if if you haven't done what we've committed to on the days that I've asked for it, I'm like, oh, how's today been? How's today been? And we have different ways of being accountable. Like every client that doesn't track in my fitness plan is accountable in some way. And that's on a very subjective level on a way that works for them. And it's being accountable like that, which is really, really important. Again, given the environment we live in and the accountability comes with the work that we're doing on mindsets, the work that we're doing on behaviors, the work that we're doing on emotional regulation, the work that we're doing on self-awareness. All of this brings about this then complete health puzzle where you're showing up with action and um, compassionate action driven through your intention. <laughs> Couldn't get words out then. <laughs> um, so yeah, no. And like I said a minute ago, if you're in the 1970s, people lost weight without my fitness part, right? Like I sit on the fence. Um, and like I don't like I don't use it. Um, every now and again I might dive back into it if like I'm doing something a little bit different, but I don't tend to do anything different. Um but I didn't just go rogue, I used it for years. Um and it's building the awareness of your own actions. Like I do things to support my emotional awareness every day to support self-awareness. And I plan and I prepare and I execute. And again, that has that comes with still conscious effort. It just goes from being really like a chore to begin with, something that's pretty cool, pretty empowering, to be able to show up for yourself. So it's doing the hard work. And remember that like everything that's worth having is a challenge, but that challenge does bring about like lasting change. And it's doing, if you've, if previously you've just tracked calories and tried to lose weight and that hasn't worked, yeah, things do have to change, but it's not to do with tracking calories. It's to do with mindset because you haven't worked on your mindset before. You haven't worked on your behaviors associated with nutrition. And it's all right just tracking calories, but it's the intention as well behind the action where like I mess it, uh, like I mentioned earlier that you could still be holding a lot of red flags in terms of food restriction and food rules that are preventing you living a wholehearted, healthy life with balance and flexibility and moderation. So I think that's going to be it from me today. Nothing else has come through. No, 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 no. Um, so I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon. I'm so sorry again about Edith. Quite clearly, the dustbin man wanted to know the guy who cleans our dustbin wanted to come and clean it right in the middle of this. So brilliant. Really sorry about that. As always, um, thank you for tuning in.